the Koi Gig Pod. I think all the concerns that we have obviously being that middle tier are very valid considering just how much we benefited from playing teams of a higher calibre going into our qualifiers. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, was a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. That's just refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. They're fester. (laughs) (laughs) See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, you know what? I'd actually debate that with you. (laughs) It is an interesting. Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but. uh, Let's make that clear. (laughs) I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Andrew, welcome along. Slight Tangent is coming at you. Very happy to say we have Mick here. Hello, Mick. Hello, Joe. Arthur here. Hello, Arthur. Hello, Arthur. <laughs> Will here. Hello, Will. All right, lads. You keep them up. Hi, Will. Very well. Hi, so uh, much to discuss. I'll start with some emails, which is now how we're going to start because we are getting the emails. This is very exciting news. It only took Mick a month to sort out the junk situation, but here we are. Here we are. Emails coming through. Take a fast. Slight Tangent at OffTheBall.com. Uh, hi, Joe and team. He doesn't say. Hmm. Just hi, Joe. Well, Joe, you you know you took it upon yourself to to start sending people emails from that account, you know. So I do reply to people on it. Yeah, yeah people people know it's you. You're uh, leading bi- this. Big fan of the show. A uh, question for you guys. This is a, I mean, this is a doozy to start with. Maybe the wrong one to start with. A uh, question for you guys. Uh, what sport would it be easiest to become world class at? That is competing regularly at the highest level in that sport. The criteria. You have to start said sport as a five year old. You have to have realistic access to decent facilities for that sport. And he said the sport has to be something that if a world championship was won, it would be reported on RTU 6-1. So as in not tiddlywinks. So he suggests rallying as Ooh, the best. That's You're starting that at five. Call. Do you know what? I immediately thought he had a good point and then Art just put him down. It's like... <laughs> Ridiculous, ah, no, ridiculous I'm only half joking. Yeah. We talked briefly about this before coming on air. It's quite hard to pick anything you would say with any confidence. I think the odds are still right against you. Big time. Almost none. 0.01%. Mm. But some are easier than others. Yeah. So everybody goes out kicking a ball at all kinds of age. So you do want to pick something that isn't as competitive. That's that isn't. Deep. But actually some things are more technical and harder to master than football, maybe, and that's the reason football is so popular. So I don't think I don't think it's literally a case of numbers only. As the first one that comes to mind for me is snooker. So the main issue here is that snooker is not that widely played a sport for the amount of media coverage and interest that there is in it. In this say, part of the world, yeah, yeah, mm. I'm just thinking, yeah, because it's gone massive, isn't sure, it? Sure, but yeah. what would be you? Know, you win a world championship beyond six foot. Oh, sorry, in, yeah, and look, I mean, absolutely, in in just like China some parts of the Far yeah. East, yeah, and China in particular, yeah, it is it is getting big, but I, like, that's only a billion people. You're right, go on. Yeah, but I don't think there's a billion people in China playing snooker. Bloody big into it. Yeah, don't no, they are absolutely, but I don't think it's quite on the level of like you could say cricket, and you're saying right, wow. Well, a billion people in India are either playing cricket or nearly obsessed with it. You know, uh, 
it, it, I don't think it's on that level in China quite yet. But okay. yeah, I, I would say snooker. It's a very kind of UK Ireland based yeah. game. It's not easy to win a world title in it. I'm not undermining anyone who ever has. Yeah. And also, you have to beat Ronnie O'Sullivan to do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that would be the one I would. Ken Doherty's on the line. He just phoned in there. <laughs> Another thing, Ken, if you're listening, you have about 30 years to do it. It's a long career to win that world championship. Yeah. You know, whereas in some sports, you could be done by 31. Anything uh, that you would set your uh, beloved at five years of age on? Well, I don't know if you don't, see, that's the difference between we're actually trying to find something that is incredibly achievable. So yeah. darts and snooker were two that jumped straight to mind. Darts. Skiing was another one that jumped to mind. Skiing? Um, slightly different. You where killed them. Yeah, but look, again, the field is a little bit narrow. I think it has to be individual. If we're going to set the terms here, it's very difficult in team because you're so reliant on the team that you get on winning a world championship. And generally, with quite a few team sports, you're talking about probably a wider field to try and get into the world-class territory as well. I know world-class is incredibly arbitrary here, but... Rugby seventh. Sorry. <laughs> See, I disagree with that. Because I was talking to... I just uh, interrupted Will. Yeah, go on, sorry. Oh, jump sorry. In, jump <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> skiing. Skiing. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know somebody who tried to do skiing at a later age, not five, like we were starting off here and you've got access maybe to yeah. more season than you have here in Ireland. But I know someone who was a very good skier mm. and was skiing out in Europe and would typically, you know, compete a little bit, but not competing at a world-class level. Mm. He gave himself basically two Olympic cycles to try and qualify to compete at the Olympics and was unable to do so. Yeah. On the face of it, it seemed doable because the Winter Olympics has got a much smaller field than, say, the Summer Olympics. You're being you're going for a country where if you get to a good level, there's a very good chance you'd be supported to be able to go. And he wasn't quite able to get there, even though he was already a very good athlete. Okay. Arthur, you want to throw anything in there that we're overlooking? Um, well, like, what I'm interested in is not easy. The, the situation I find very interesting, one, their own, right? Only by virtue of the fact that, right, so why are there such a number of high-achieving rowers in Skibbereen? So it's like more often it's going to be to do with, I suppose, circumstance and where you are and what's the facilities there for you. So I, that doesn't make it easier. But there's obviously something in there that, like, all these guys weren't born and, and athletes weren't born like genetic freaks. Yes. It is a nurture as well as nature. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Like, I don't know where that would be replicated. You're saying there might be something... In the water. I wonder about the rowing, though. Does that is? is <laughs> 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 Sorry. Does the rowing mean that, like, see, rowing is a very competitive sport. It is, it's 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 very wide range in terms of the amount of countries that compete in it. I wonder, is it like, is that the case anywhere? You know, if 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 you have that perfect setup as they look like they have in in Skibreen, followed by the success that breeds more success and breeds yeah. more participation and everything else, is that something that can be just achieved with anything? It doesn't necessarily mean that rowing is an easy well, one to break through into. It's funny. So uh, I'm not sure. I on think that, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, you're Damon Delaney. We play golf occasionally, and we were chatting one day <laughs> afterwards. Dropped down there. No, no, no. It's it's because it's quite interesting. So <laughs> we were chatting. Akin to this, we were wondering, because he's deeply obsessed with golf now and he's obviously reached an incredibly high level in football and he, and he was, we were discussing, well, is it harder to make it as a footballer or a golfer? And initially, I think he was leaning towards oh, harder to be a golfer. And he sort of accepted what he's saying. Like, I don't think any five-year-old starting golf now has much of a chance of making it because the talent pool is insane and so deep. But I was making the argument back there are certain sports that you just have to be genetically gifted at 
to have any kind of a chance. So, for instance, these days, footballers just have to be able to run 13, 14 kilometres three times a week. They have to have certain speed. They have to have certain size. Whereas a golfer, regardless of what five-year-old you're handing over to me, they could get to a really, really, really good level of golf if they practice. 10,000 hours. Did their 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. And also because it's you're pulling the trigger. It's not a reactive sport. You can replicate, like darts. I thought darts is a good shout and snooker. You can replicate the action and practice it too. You can be very moulded. Mm. Your talent level isn't as essential as it might be playing football. Your physical <laughs> talent level. Well, yeah. rowing definitely doesn't fall into that. Like no. rowing is a lung capacity probably as much as any, any other sport yeah, in the world. But then I would, I, rowing's an interesting show because I do think there probably is, you, you, with ferocious work, you could get to a, a really, really high level. But then, yeah, probably there is that point where your lung capacity just rules you out. There's a harness, yeah. You could probably harness to a few different things. Yeah. Can I ask, though, just with the golf situation, sorry, just with the golf situation, but I, if that question is world class, yeah, I mean, how many... Top 50? You win the major or a WTC, probably. So Seamus Power, world class? Yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to win a major, be, yeah. but if you're, I think if you're in the top fifty, you're world class. But for how long do you have to be there just to break into it? I think if we got a five-year-old and got him or her into the top fifty, we'd have done a good job, yeah. Even for a minute. <laughs> I think if the odds are still against. If a five-year-old gets to go and play a major, they've probably reached world class. Oh yeah, major. I think. Yeah. Will I press on? On seven's on, point, I was just thinking. Um, sorry, sevens is a, a perfect of the it's your specific so you, example. You were Jordan, lightning speed. You were Jordan sevens. Conroy in the show last year ahead of going to the Olympics. Yeah, and you spoke to him. He didn't touch a rugby ball until he was eighteen. Yeah, but you could argue that he already had athletic abilities which allowed him to have transferable skills yeah. that if, for your five-year-old might not be athletic. If you give me a five-year-old who has no athleticism and can't sprint super fast mm. not I, playing sevens. Do you know though can I just go back to the specific you, you're, arguing again, you're arguing a very specific point there that's fair but yeah. the actual question was what's the easiest sport to go and win a world title in like if you're going to go and win a world title then you probably have a lot of like it's like I'm not going to win a world title no matter what I pick up at five no. but you know there's a chance that this person that's like as in what's easiest you know, you're putting all your athletes into this bracket as well. Yeah. And then you're looking for a sport that isn't possibly the most competitive in terms of the amount of countries that play it, yeah. the amount of people that participate in those countries. Like I think in and that's why I think to, rugby would fit in. To Sean, sense. if we were to take his point very seriously, we'd have to reply to the email and say, Hi, Sean, thanks for the email. We need to see the five-year-old <laughs> a series of tests before we can really get serious about this. There's a reality TV show. How fast is the five-year-old, Sean? <laughs> Let's push on. We are going to get to topics pre-planned, but some other emails. Uh, well, lads, absolutely love the new slot. I haven't missed an episode yet. I love hearing the debates on all topics, says Owen in Dublin. With Arsenal now top at Christmas, do you rate them as proper title challengers? I ask this because you were so dismissive of them a couple of weeks back. <laughs> With City dropping points last weekend, are Arsenal going to be able to stick it out to the business end? I think with each passing week, we're cautiously more optimistic that they will hang around. But ultimately, I still think City are odds on favourites. City will have a point in the season where they'll churn out three points, three points, three points, three points, and they'll handle Champions League duty as well. Arsenal, I dare say, won't. I regret being as dismissive as we were. Same. Willing to roll back that far. Yeah. Um, very impressive where they've got to at this point. Very likeable team. Very, very oh, likeable. Play likeable. some good football. Story of the season. Mm. All joking aside, like as I, we, we, I said that messing almost a couple of weeks ago. But I, lo- I watched them against Wolves. I loved it. I, I, and I love seeing them go another week, go another week, and make this a real conversation. Yeah. Mm. I just don't believe 
that Man City aren't going to win the league easily. I just that's just what I think. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't. It's no. It's not a personal disrespect to Arsenal or a dig at them. I'd love to see them win the league. And also, top it doesn't at, matter what we predict. Top, you at, know? top at Christmas is not really top at Christmas anymore. It's top after thirteen games. Yeah. In this case, obviously, we're what four games short, and we usually have the profile by the time they kick off on Saint. Four or Stephen's five, day. I think. Yeah. Yeah. They played about fourteen games, I think, so far. And Arsenal have been top at Christmas five times and not won the league. As Arsenal fans, would be quick to remind you themselves. And also, they still have to play Man City twice with the way the fixtures have fallen. Okay. Now, that could be a good or a bad thing. It's yeah. the fact there's six points available, but um, it still means that there's two games there. Liverpool fans will point out they made a title race out of it last year when they were 15 points behind around about this stage of the season too. So it's difficult to draw conclusions and say Arsenal are the Christmas champions because of the World Cup. You can well. say anything looking back in other years, though. There's plenty of years when City were nowhere at this stage. Mm and won the league or finished with 95 points or you know that they go on those runs that Joe's talking about it just so happened last year they did it the other way you know like mm. yeah uh, one last email then a follow up point from last week uh, hi lads a previous listener wrote in about the use of knee slide celebrations in football I was glad to hear this discussed <laughs> two of them <laughs> I was glad to hear this discussed as it's been a huge bugbear of mine for years uh, the issue is twofold. One, overuse. It seems like almost every goal is followed by an attempted knee slide these days. It's been overdone to the point it's lost all meaning. <laughs> I mean, what the previous meaning was isn't stated in the email. I'll push on. I love this mail, by the way. I think it's written with a wry smile. Let's be fair to Emmett in Dublin. Two, inappropriate use. E.g., scoring a scruffy goal deflected off your hip from two yards out when your team's already 4-0 up. Inappropriate use. Now, I agree at that point. I want to see an example of that happening, but yeah, go on. Uh, I believe the reason for this oversaturation of the knee slide is caused by the increasingly smooth, wet pitches that are now standard across the game. Disgraceful. And also how players are increasingly image conscious. We talked about that last week. Mm. I did the Mbappe celebration. Won't do it again just now. So they adopt the knee slide given how cool it looks when done well, e.g. Thierry Henry, as you mentioned on the show. The knee slide is the best and most satisfying goal celebration when it's used properly for a goal of high quality or importance. Joe Ideally, scroll here halfway through I know. his email. <laughs> I'm getting repetitive injury syndrome here. Ideally, a thumping strike from long range and it should Apple be pull. done rarely. The perfect example being John Anarisa's thunder bastard against Manchester United at Anfield. Uh, keep up the good work and many thanks for highlighting these important issues Emmett in Dublin Jersey over his head I think for that knee slide there. that's, yeah. a double, that's an extra knee slide bit. he had the abs we all <laughs> went oh Jesus when we saw that uh, and then he uh, sends a follow up email I presume this is having watched the weekend's football out of the 29 goals in the Premier League there were 9 knee slide celebrations Rodrigo Odegaard Willock Tavernier Anthony Madison Gibbs White Garnaccio McAllister that's 31% of all goals followed by a knee slide Far too many for my liking. <laughs> Evan, don't That's some incredible take research. Take a bow. We don't need to, we can't, what can we add to Certainly that? Certainly Garnacho at the weekend though meets his exact criteria. So it's a late winner from a teenager who yeah. scored a really good goal to get a team three points. Knee slide away. I also liked Odegaard because it had a certain uh, panache. I liked Odegaard in, but it also made me, it made me think a slight tangent is having too much impact on my life when he <laughs> scored the goal and then I went, oh, he's done a knee slide. I thought the same thing. <laughs> I really did. Okay, we'll push on. Somebody asked me why we didn't call this slot OTB Raw. Would we have liked that? That was one of the suggestions early on. Someone yeah. else said to me during the week. Well, a fellow yeah. journalist. It's a bit of a visceral image, isn't it? It's a bit visceral. Is but it? Is it raw? I suppose it the is. The logic was, it's... It, I mean, it's, it's definitely cut. Because I'll tell you that yeah. for free. Raw and cut. He, he also suggested OTB Unplugged. As in, 
it's just us in relaxed fashion talking nonsense. <laughs> but anyway, let's. Sure, it's a slight tangent now. We won't worry too much about it. it. We've done enough on the name. Yes. <laughs> so some topics we want to talk that was about. A slight tangent, but it way. was. So, yeah. Thank you for your emails. See what fun the emails are. I appreciate the effort. Now that you've opened the, the last one, the you effort idiot. in the last one is great. The last email was it's more, re- it's more research than we do in a week. Yeah, that is the best email we've received thus far in the long storied history. So, first topic for discussion, Ronaldo. Don't turn away for a second. I suppose what's very interesting about the Ronaldo saga, Arthur, is the extent to which it's both so tiresome and so compelling at the same time. That is the amazing high-wire act that's currently walking. Like, we don't need to talk about Ronaldo has ended his career at United or analysed this any further. We've done that on the show. But just as a as a media global saga. Yeah. Yeah. So tiresome and yet so everywhere. For sure. I remember, I, was it on Sunday night the first thing started coming out from it? Yeah. yeah, sorry, after United Fulham. And I remember getting a text and someone sending me a link to the Twitter that uh, clip that was out, whatever one was out. And it was immediately that feeling. <laughs> Straight away. My first time coming aware of it. And you're kind of like, oh God. Yeah. Oh God, that is some, that is an incendiary comment. Because it's, at the base of it, like, it's the probably the most recognisable footballer on the planet. I'd say even more so than Messi. I don't know if the numbers are stacked mm-hmm. it up, but probably the most recognisable uh, speaking. That's that's Cristiano Ronaldo raw. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, it, I wonder if it had happened 10, 15, 20 years ago, would it be a bigger deal? Because I, I think it's slightly even, it seems like slightly underwhelming. It's like, yeah, OK. Yeah. But I, I, it, it's it's. On the face of it, it is crazy. I'm very underwhelmed by it, and yeah. I'm not sure why. But it's mad. Like, do yeah. you, I, I don't know if you saw the stuff like when you look back at the the Figo documentary from during the year, and there was all that stuff when when he was moving. I think from Barça to Real Madrid, and there'd be little snippets in the paper, and it's like oh, it, these little insights into this thing, and it was this so big. And think, but like the equivalent to what Ronaldo's done, it's just the keen departure feels far more. Um, interesting and seismic to me. I, I'm sure there's an Irish aspect there, but I think it's just Ronaldo is so obviously marginal anyway that there's no great change in the Manchester United world. Piers Morgan is a good hype man. He has done a pretty good job here of selling a two-night documentary which is going to go out on talk TV and probably most people pick it up online as opposed to watching it live on one of the channels in the 500s on Sky on Wednesday and Thursday night. To even be able to spread the interview over two nights and to build the hype in the way he has is quite impressive in and of himself mm-hmm. in that he has been essentially a hype machine for Cristiano Ronaldo. Anyone who's been following Piers Morgan's tweets for the last two days, he's been more like an advocate for Cristiano as opposed to somebody who has conducted an interview in this case. Like to Arthur's point, I think if this happened 10, 15 years ago and Cristiano Ronaldo decided he was going to have a sit down, it would have been on terrestrial TV and it would have probably went out on a Sunday night and would have had millions of viewers. In this case, it's going to be millions of viewers online because of the worldwide appeal of social media but I give Morgan credit and Ronaldo credit the clips that I've seen so far I probably will sit down on Wednesday and Thursday night and watch this even though I wonder if there's more to it than the very very incendiary comments that we've seen so far about Rooney and about Neville and a lot of leading questions that have been given particularly by Piers Morgan <laughs> the most leading interest. questions I've ever Would heard you say Rooney's jealous? But, but can there be much more to it like he's, he's had a go at the club he's had a go at Ten Hag he's had a go at the two of them I don't think can there really be, be more gold actually no. to be minded no I think it'll, it'll be a real letter some normality in there yeah are I, you, I'm not you, interested in yeah, any okay. of that stuff sorry 
Sorry, that's, that's good. That's no, what I'm not interested in any of the stuff we're talking. I'm not interested in Cheers. whether Pierce Morgan. No, sorry, I don't mean that. I'm not interested in whether Arthur's Pierce Morgan did Arthur's a good job or not. Especially. I'm not interested in whether it would have been on a, the formats or anything like that because it's just the it is this seismic, massive event that the most famous footballer in the world has gone and done a tell-all interview with like it's it's Frost Nixon for football you know what I mean and it's like with this famous interviewer while still employed by this club it's huge but the world has changed so much that we will have moved on in two or three days and by the time Portugal played their first game this interview is barely a footnote in Ronaldo's career that's what interests me it's to Archer's point almost is how much the world has moved on that there's nothing that's ever going to be the biggest thing that ever happened again you know, and that that's that's what fascinates me more. That and what we've already talked about, which is I can't get my head around the conceit. I can't get my head around how somebody can logically no matter what fame they've encountered, no matter what they've he you know, the the twenty odd years of like hyper fame and adulation that Ronaldo has been faced with, I still can't get my head around the fact that he can't see the reality in front of him and he thinks that this is normal. I can't get over one piece of hypocrisy that Ronaldo can't notice about himself. So he made a very reasonable point about the fact that Manchester United, particularly in the post Alex Ferguson era, have been far too interested in the commercial side of the business at the expense of the football without realising that his transfer two seasons ago was exactly for commercial reasons as opposed to for football reasons. Mm. That, that seemed to totally bypass him in the clip that I saw. Mm. Maybe there's more to it, we haven't seen it all yet. Yeah. But I, I thought that was quite interesting that he didn't have the self-awareness to realise that 36-year-old Ronaldo was being brought back primarily to sell shirts. Yeah. And to keep him away from City, obviously. I suspect what will be most frustrating in this interview is the extent to which Piers Morgan will give him free reign to make all sorts of points. And actively encourage him to do so. picking up any contradictions or uh, challenging anything. And Morgan's capable of doing that. I mean, the other week he interviewed Kanye West and honestly, it was very competitive and, and engaging. Also odd in many respects, but engaging as a result. Whereas I dare say, he won't say to Ronaldo at any point, but hang on, Cristiano, X, Y and Z. Mm. Yeah, and that's not the way TV interviews should be conducting. It, like that, like that's he should be a journalist. He says he's a journalist. He's not, you know. Like I want and him saying. Did Manchester United get a right reply when he said that he did, they didn't believe him about a sick kid? No. When I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but every news report at the time, as thousands and thousands of people have pointed out since, said that Ronaldo was off for family reasons. I didn't hear United mm. say. Like United defended him and really tried to move the conversation away from Ronaldo transfer yeah. during that time when he was off. I, it, all the evidence that we have suggests that they took they, that they very seriously. They didn't get a right of reply because they didn't know the interview was happening until after the Fulham game. You know what I mean though, that's not journalism. Like. And also I do think you do want counterpoints like, well, is betrayal not walking out on the team at halftime and leaving the stadium? those kind of points back just to see what he has to say this yeah. great model professional who isn't being challenged but I dare say that would be the tone it's not, yeah, it's not an interview it's and the reason the reason he can challenge I haven't watched the Kanye West one but obviously I know the gist of what Kanye West is talking about yeah. the reason he can't he has to challenge that is because he has no option but to sure you can't you can't not sure. <laughs> you can't put it out there as, as is like it would be yeah maybe, yeah so I'd like it's not but it's not it's not, it's not serious like it's just a, a vessel yeah 
and the, for, for clicks. It is interesting how the vessels have changed, though. Like Jared Pika did his uh, eventual final interview last week, did it on Twitch with his mate, as opposed to doing it with TV. Yeah, and it suited him perfectly because his mate comes on, lets him talk freely, he can chat whatever he wants, and therefore it's not going to go down certain angles. He's not going to be asked about his now ex-wife at this point in the breakdown of his marriage earlier this year. I don't think they were married. He can, or maybe they weren't. Sorry, but like you know what I mean. They can just. Go out. No. I thought they get married. No, no they're never married. All right, well, but basically, he can go out and he can just shoot without having to listen to those type of questions. Yeah. And so he can go out in a very different way. And uh, I suppose in Cristiano's case, he probably knew the type of interview he was going to get from Piers Morgan. And actually, it's dressed up with this faux. I'm being interviewed by a serious journalist. I'm going to be cross-examined here, but it's not really. Well, the, the clip we saw last night was like <laughs> I never heard anything as like well, the the example was the you know you're better looking um, than Rooney. Mi- no one could deny that. The you know Mr. Burns, your campaign is the all the momentum <laughs> of runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Let's take a break. We have more topics we want to get to. Back in just one moment with a slight tangent. Now then, you're welcome back. So it is a slight tangent coming at you. Joe here, Will here, Mick here, Arthur here. This is the slot where Team OTB PM chat away for an hour, in effect. There's no other way to dress it up. No, no. Pretty much. <laughs> it's, uh, it's still uh, on probation. Resistance. It's still on probation, this slot, but it's hanging in there just about. So we talked about Ronaldo. We've gone through some of your emails. The England team photo, and I appreciate on radio, you, we can't show it to you right now, but uh, you can find it very Everyone has a phone. phone. Google yes. it if you're not Indeed. driving. And... If you are driving, the gist, the gist of it is they, they've gone, you know, I think akin to the Southgate approach where they play darts with journalists and are a bit more relaxed and are trying to enjoy the whole experience. It's not as stiffly standing in suit and tie in typical team photo pose. It's all of them almost in more relaxed, do what you freestyle it. So you can you can you can smile, you can not smile. Quite a few of them have their Foden has his arm around somebody. Uh, our, our two boys Grealish and Rice best mates arm never, arm. never away from each other when it comes to England camp every time I look at them the two of them are side by side yeah Jackie Rice tussling his hair in the photograph James Madison friends for another country James Madison already been likened to Ashley Cole slightly on the periphery with too much space between him and the rest. Do you think he's photoshopped in? Do you think he was like they had a 25 man <laughs> no. I think a couple of weeks ago and I have to say I think it looks really nice Nice. I, say that, I say that uncynically I think there's something very nice about it yeah it looks it. natural but it also kind of looks a bit like a sort of United Colours of Belladon photo shoot <laughs> do you know what I mean that kind of way like it's that kind of thing you'd see it on the wall way. all the way ah oh, it's just the very you know the nice strong colours and everything's kind of models are no. sort of like laughing as they yeah. look at each other with nicely uh, ruffled hair I want that like it. I, I, when we were starting talking about football um, sartorially yeah, I'm still I'm still with that sort of Italy. Was it Armani? Was it or uh, Gucci? Whatever the suits the lads wore at the Euros. Yeah, and it was all very orchestra. It was all very clean. It was very cool. Mm. I think everything after that's just very Italian. Those, like, those little kind of oh, like uh, grey blue jackets. Unbelievable. Yeah, Mancini really. Uh, Mancini and Viali is kind of how I see. I thought there was a lovely sense of. Uh, a group of mates having fun and this is a World Cup and let's enjoy it yeah, as opposed exactly. to yeah, it wasn't oh my God, stiff. we're going to get slaughtered by the sun when we lose on penalties yeah it wasn't stiff it looked like they were enjoying it now that's that's look to be honest it doesn't actually tell you that they're relaxed and happy it's just sure. a good photographer doing their job well Yeah. Uh, but yes I, I, I actually worry, did like it as they're well they're still going to get slaughtered when they lose in penalties in the semi-final anyway well, but it is, it is the mood that I think they are right to try and portray big time it's, I think it, absolutely and they should embrace that mood where are we on England? In what way, Joe? Well, in the way we always discuss these are things. Are we supporting England? Do we want them to win the World Cup? 
I will go on record as saying I really like them as a team. And I like Southgate. I think he's a decent man. But? Well, I did find myself supporting. And I've always made I've any World Cup going back years, as long as I can remember. I can't remember. I remember 94 a little bit when they weren't there. But 98, like the England games were top of my priority list as a Manchester United supporter. And half the English team were United players. Right the way through to the Euros last year, I won't miss England play. I'm very interested in them for a variety of reasons. And I generally want them to do well. I've always been up for England in most matches. However, when they got to the Euros final last year, in the hour before, I, I was hit with a sudden, oh God, we we won't hear the end of this from their media. Was this because of Leicester Square? Or <laughs> did that have anything to do with No, because it was there. Uh, you know, you know yeah, if you were talking an, about an, an hour before. Yeah, there was an aspect of that as well. There was an aspect of that. You know, Imro Sports Story of the Year, carnage at Euro 2020. Uh, but you know that starts with like you being on air on the Sunday, yeah. reacting to what is going on here. And then when you start, when you go there at eight o'clock, and this is a tangent to the conversation that we're having, like the chaos at Wembley, yeah. which I, again, it's like what I was saying about Ronaldo. Everything is forgotten about ten minutes later. Mm. That was nuts. That match was hard to watch. I thought there was going to be something serious, serious happen in the stands that night like people were in the wrong seats they were in the aisles everything was chaotic yeah and it was very hard to think all these things that these players represent and have done mm. that's for them a world cup or a european championships winning it is for your fans in your country and most of the time england fans let them down and make me want to not want to, want them to win and yeah. it's i think that's what it comes that's what it comes down to for me i don't know if whether for you it was something more that you turned on it because it, it was a media never hear the end of it. I think a lot of people say that never hear the end of a thing. I think that's the case with everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we are exposed to our media, so I do understand it. Yeah. But, I don't know. I have a very specific thing on this that I've, I, I've, I actually wrote about it last summer. Football, sport is tribal. And it is, it is fun. To, it, is a, it is a good way to... Uh, channel nationalism. It's a good way to channel tribalism. Mm. And for me, as a border country to England, who has incredible ties with them, like, you know, the, the, on superficial and real levels all through our lives, they are the big country with the chance of winning the World Cup. We are the team that wants to qualify or beat England every now and then. There is literally nothing wrong with not wanting them to win football games. And we'll have the phone-in shows about maturity that will come up if they go if they start going well in a couple of weeks and how we all need to get over ourselves. Nobody's asking Scottish fans to support England. It's only Irish fans that need to get mature, right? And this whole thing is like, this is a likeable group of people. This is a team that has like, Jordan Henderson reaching out to gay fans that don't feel like that they're included. This is Raheem Sterling taking on Fleet Street and all their nonsense. Um, Marcus Rashford, food banks for the poor. Garrett Southgate doing an awful lot, I agree, which I don't particularly like myself, but I do, see, I, I do, I, in, re, in real life, yeah, I think he's a good guy, you know? And plenty of them, all the way up and down the team. Really, really good group that I like personally. Yeah. I just don't want them to win a football match because the real life stuff is impressive. The sports stuff is just sport. Yeah. And that, that's where I always stand with England. I have, I have some of my best memories in sport are France Euro 2004, Portugal Euro 2004, Portugal in the 2006 World Cup. Uh, Croatia, 
Croatia in, in that qualifying was such a fun night. I was actually in, in off the ball for that. You Iceland. know, there's loads of things like that that are just memories of football. And it's because the team you don't want to win didn't win. Mm. That's all it is. It's only a game. Mm. It's not an anti-English. It's not. An, it's not anti-English. The country. It's anti-English. The football team. Yeah. You know. That's where I stand on it. Anyway. You need to go on Joe Duffy when that comes up in a few weeks. <laughs> very. Con- I very. I can very convincing argument. I think. Thank you, Joe. Arthur. No. What? Do I want to win? Yeah. Nah. Okay. Sorry to disturb. <laughs> Will. It's just funnier. It's funnier when not. It's funnier when they don't. But you know. Yeah. It is funnier. They're sporting rivals. I, I make Media no value. It's more enjoyable. Like the, everything's more enjoyable around it. The reaction, everything like that. Like, the fallout is good. There's no doubt that it's the yeah. best two or three days of every tournament when they get knocked out. I was in a pub in Dublin. Sorry, Will. I don't to get it. Just reminded me of that. Outside, and it was the time they lost to Portugal in the oh, four Euros. And I was outside a few minutes later, and there was an old English guy who was near me when he was watching. Old, I say, he was old at the time when I was a young lad, thirty-four, probably my age now, like you know. And he was there, and he was just like, oh, "I'm really sick of about that." And I was like, "Ah, oh, Jesus, they had a great tournament." And he was like, "He goes, why was everybody in there cheering for Portugal?" And he said it in that tone, and I was like, "Well, because he wanted England to lose." And he's like, "But we'd always want Ireland to win." And I was like. Mate, yeah. it's only a game. Like, it's like I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking to you about the match now in a very kind of like positive way about England. But I'm in there five minutes ago. I'm cheering on Portugal like <laughs> as if I'm like Louis Costa. I'm Eusebio's son. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like it's just lack of understanding as to why we would just pick the other team. But sure, of course we would. Mm. Anyway, they're all to me sporting rivalries. I enjoyed when Samoa beat England in the rugby league. Semi-finals. That was weekend. a great game, by the way. It was it was a cracking game, and even funnier when England lost at the end of it. I would have probably enjoyed if England had lost the Cricket World Cup final at the weekend too. I make no apologies for one of our sporting rivals not wanting to do particularly well. Mm. Like I don't like the idea of Eddie Jones and Farrell going up to lift the cup next year if they were to get to the Rugby World Cup final. I make no apologies for that. But the England football team is particularly entertaining because if you think back to the South Africa World Cup, remember Eamon Dunphy read out one of the English papers just before the tournament started and it was basically a poem, I think it was in the Times, which is writing about the fact that, you know, God was looking down on England as they embark on their latest campaign to win the World Cup. That kind of nonsense rose most of us up the wrong way as well. And I have no problem enjoying their downfall. Okay. I think the media stuff is overblown. I, I, I didn't articulate that properly. What other country isn't supporting their team? Fair point. Yeah, I do yeah. wonder about that. Now, I know we're, we, we're listening to it going, oh, God, doesn't, this, does, this is nonsense to me. But like, if Ireland were in the, like we, we do some of the most sycophantic shite and that anyone right would it, ever yeah. do when no, it comes to Ireland yeah. and things like The media stuff is, I think it's actually how they, attack, how they build them up to tear them down. That's the bigger issue with yeah, that's very interesting. Now, again, when it happens, is it funny for a few days until it gets serious? It's generally how it works, isn't it? Yeah. It's like they go too far and the stuff like, you know, post-Euros final yeah. mm. and then suddenly you're seeing what Saka and um, Sancho, if you Sancho and who were, yeah, I can't even remember who we're all dealing with um, straight after and you're like, oh, you know, yeah. that takes away from my kind of enjoyment of this. It's a bit of crack and you lost the football game. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah, I do remember that after, was it 14... After one of the tournaments, anyway, Paper did like a sting on Raheem Sterling moving into New House. Mm. The poor fella has to move into his house. Oh, it was even worse just than because that. England lost. No, the sting yeah. was about the fact that he had bought his mother a new kitchen. Maybe as I recall, really. which even felt, which felt even worse. This idea that he, you know, a guy would look after his mum by, you know, getting some stuff for her house. But yeah. Sterling did that. That was his. Like I said earlier, he take on Fleet Street. Like how he did that was so beautiful in that he took. I don't remember what young Man City player it was. 
but he put the side by side story of the exact yeah. same story. I think the I think the other guy had spent more money, the <coughs> white player, yeah. on for his mother, and it was beautifully presented yeah. as this generous guy, whereas Sterling's this flash you know, dude, this yeah. flash kid who shouldn't have any money. Yeah, there was that for sure. This was another situation where it was just how dare he do this five days after they're out of the World Cup. They had a golden for going out for breakfast, I think, at one point as well. I'm not sure if that was the same year. But Sterling had to face that too. He was it yeah. was basically like how could he be showing his face in public after England shame? I think that was after the Iceland game though. Potentially, yeah. 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 But I went for breakfast. So I forgot to put Iceland in that list earlier, by the way. We'll mention it. Chris Waddle's rant. Yeah. Sorry, that is the the best part of every tournament is Chris Waddle. <laughs> really? And his pain. Oh, I enjoy They're his all pain. just headphones. One of his lines. <laughs> so Luis Enrique is going to talk directly this is the end of us really mm. this is it I mean this is officially we should it. be talking to ourselves and 15 yeah. hours of a slight tangent a week yeah Luis Enrique, Enrique uh, the Spanish coach is has, has bought a headset I saw the screenshot of him so he's got one of the, the, the headsets mm. and he's going to talk directly to the fans about the games and the promise or the presumption is in great detail he'll be able to give them more instead of pesky journalists trying to stir it up with their questions off camera, off mic in a press conference, ruining it for everyone. Yeah, and he had a bit of self-deprecation when he was in as well. He's like, my headset sounds like it's from the third division, I think was how he described how bad yeah. it sounds. He was saying, look, the lighting's not perfect. My camera isn't great. I'm going to try and improve this closer to the World Cup. But the idea is that you will get literally an unfiltered view from me and my coaching team in a direct messaging to you, the fans, as yeah. opposed to it being interpreted by the media and then reported back. Which is a totally different departure. And I, I wonder if at some point this is what more sporting people might do. Like we talked before the break about Cristiano Ronaldo going to Piers Morgan to very carefully manage the message or Pique doing it last week. In this case, Luis Enrique, depending on how much influence the Spanish Federation have on what he can say or how much detail he can go into. But in theory, this could be really interesting if Enrique is, say, answering questions from fans or yeah. speaking very directly about his decisions during a game or his feelings afterwards. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I totally understand where sports people are coming from, where they go into press conferences and they f must feel very uncontrolled and any question could come about anything at any moment and it must make you feel very nervous. And not everybody is Tyke Furlong who's relaxed and hit me and I got nothing to hide. Yeah. So I think it could lend to the fans getting a lot more out of Luis Enrique. Obviously, the downfall is if there is a major controversy or something which does need to be brought up or a failing which he can skirt by. No stream today, kids. No stream, or else just don't no, bring it up. You know. About it. I, I think that's a much bigger issue. Like, I mean, as much as, as much as we can talk about more interesting stuff from them, the point of press conferences is to be held accountable mm. for whatever, good or bad, and that's just not there. So all accountability is gone, and that's you know I. Because I, I could see how Stephen Kenny, for instance, would find this very appealing. Do you remember a year ago Stephen Kenny brought a bunch of journalists, I wasn't one of them, into the analysis room at the FBI headquarters and really gave them fantastically, almost off the record, detailed information about his tactics and his plans and his thinking. And I would say he would love to do that with the Irish public. I could see him really going for that. And I always think he's quite keen to do media, but the price he has to pay, and I asked him here as well, by the way, so I'm, I, you know, this is just the nature of the media. The price he has to pay to have the media platform is to be asked about what Brian Kerr said. Mm. It's a legitimate question and it's, and it's interesting. Like it's, it isn't, you know, everyone's interested. Oh, what's he going to say back? 
so that's the price he has to pay and I can see how he must be torn at times between genuinely he really wants to give something back to the Irish football supporter but then I go on air and I'm going to be asked about four or five things they'll be the headlines so I might just leave it so I can see him looking at Luis Enrique this winter and thinking do you know I might do a bit of that I get the board out and I show people what I'm thinking or, or how I see things so it's just yeah it does, that's not real it's not real like, like it's a nice additional thing but it shouldn't be a replacement that's no. a good point yeah. an ancillary thing yeah. like well I presume fine, Enrique will still be doing media throughout as well, well. Have to, it's just his it's way a contract of, yeah but we're saying there's a slippery slope element to, to a presentation from a footballing body in the next four years to UEFA where they say this should fulfil our obligations yeah. instead and yada yada you know like so I just like you also asked Stephen Kenny about going to the World Cup uh, he had a very perfectly good answer yeah. to it and he was and I'm sure he would be happy to talk about it but again his that's not something that he would probably w- want to bring up but his re- he's uh, his representative his, him being representative as Ireland manager he needs to be asked those questions. Probably, yeah. And so, like, who's going to do that in this scenario? You know what I mean? It's like people have these, especially in national teams, my God, they're representing the country. They have important public roles yeah. that they need to be questioned on. The idea that they could just skirt over it so they can dock tactics. The process of removing the middleman has already started to Oh, we're headed that way. Like, you know, we've already got some organisations who will send out an interview which is being conducted by the organisation or the federation and it's sent out to the media to then relay it yeah. as opposed to hosting press conferences, which is a very dangerous well, slope to go the, the FAI tried it with which new manager? Was it there was a, Or is it Martin O'Neill? There was some big issue, as there always is with the FAI and the appointing of managers. So anyway, the details aren't that important, important, but there was, or like it was around the time the FAI was going into financial ruin as well. And it was whoever the manager was on FAI TV asked two quick questions and that was it. No media inquiries. And it was like, you can play this or not play it. And that was unacceptable. Mm. But that is the route we're heading for sure. Yeah, I even think, and look, again, I praise him at the time for it, maybe even on the slight tangent, but I was interested on Desi Farr when we spoke about, you know, Mannion coming back onto the panel and it just kind of was part of the interview. See, you I had to get about five minutes in. It was like, yeah, Paul Mannion's back. Yeah. That's a good example. The Desi Farrell interview there, that's a good example of how the fan... And I think it's different in GA because they don't owe anybody anything and we're talking about amateurs mm. and there might be questions or things going on behind the scenes that they don't want to talk about in any depth. But Desi wasn't pushed at all there because it's Dubs TV and he's so in control of the situation. Like it would have been really interesting to know, did you approach them? Did they call you? Did they come as a pair? Did they, Like mm. harmless enough interesting yeah. content that journalists might fish around for a bit more. It, Whereas on Dubs Fan TV it was just like the two lads are back we're delighted. Next question. It fits into something we've talked about briefly with the the GEA in that like organisations kind of thinking of themselves as content uh, yeah. providers. Providers, yeah. Um, so GA actually said that in in you know in some of the stuff after the deal there recently and talking about GA go. The FAI, you mentioned that. I, I remember, I don't remember the manager interview, yeah. but I remember specifically... Um, Looked like a hostage. I remember David McGoldrick won like Player of the Year and it was right before he retired and it was like, it was a, you know, I think it was like Garrett Maher was doing the interviews and this was, we, we got that, we've got this a few times, I think, from the FAI where they're the ones providing the interviews for FAI TV and then they're sent out to everybody else. Well, actually, do you know the ultimate example? And this, I mean, head in your hand stuff. The rugby journalists were telling me that, and Shane McGrath wrote about it in the mail, so I'm not betraying any confidence, that 
they were at an Irish press conference with Andy Farrell and whatever player was up. And it was in the same day that the contracts, the 29 yeah. contracts were announced for the female players. And so it was on the same day. And they're all trooping out of the Andy Farrell press conference. And they can see literally 50 yards down the hallway, some of the female players are being interviewed by Irish Rugby TV. Yeah. And like you've got, you've got literally all of the best rugby journalists in the country in the building, but you're doing your Irish Rugby TV interview down there. And it was purely because, sorry, I'm guessing, it's because they don't want the players ask questions about the remuneration, mm. the terms of the contract, could more be done, etc. Yeah, and but that is real. But this that's is da- the, that's, that's true, the dangerous territory. Stuff, like, and, you and, know, and sorry, just one last point. This is taxpayer funded. Yeah, like there is a point where okay, Absolutely. we're managing our brand fine, but there is actually also a legitimate. Well, like the Irish taxpayers given eighteen million quid over to the IRFU, and yeah. now you won't let them interview the team when you've got everybody right here. Yeah, I thought that they didn't get enough criticism for that. That's really poor. 100% and you're, you're the, everything you said there is right but it's also it's like notice that we've talked about GA, FAI and IRFU they're all doing it this idea that they're the content generation but what's missing in that is is like that will always be biased by nature but it will be incomplete yeah. um, uh, coverage content whatever you want to call it um, for the examples that you just laid out. So I think it's just something that we have to be wary about when the GA or whoever casually say we're in the content creation business now. Yeah. Uh, because it, you're not, like, that isn't what this is supposed to be, you know? And look, I, the NFL and NBA kind of do it in a way that the whole world seems to want to copy. And it's like, they're big and confident enough. You watch NFL Network, you'd be amazed at the way they talk about the teams and the coach, like they're, they're you may as well be on one of the independent stations. It's, okay. it's well, no, I, I'm sure there could be, you know, more specific things that they don't get into. But from what I see, it looks normal. Yeah. But that's not ever going to be the case in Ireland. Too small a country. Or even, even in Europe, I would say. Like, you know what I mean? There isn't that kind of self-confidence in the product, I would say. We're always going to be protective. It's just natural human nature. So they shouldn't be doing it. GA Go service will be interesting on that front next summer if they're critical around matches that they're showing. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see, as again, I suppose it's a slight tangent, where they actually go with that potentially as a format to put out content further down the road. Will GA go just become somewhere where the B and C class matches go out next year? Mm. Or are they going to start creating their own programming? And if that happens, how much independence yeah. would there be? Given that the GA already own part of GA go along with RT or another rights provider, that th- that independence doesn't appear to be there. But again, let's wait and see what happens. Yeah. Well, they're hardly going to get on like Broly and Spillane talking about oh. how we've never seen a good game of football in 20 years. On be they the, right or wrong. On Lewis Enrique as a final thought, are we sounding like bittered journalists fearful for our careers or no? I want to see what he does. I'm interested. I mean, I, again, Us I think... giving out about the in-house production escalation. Well, yeah. obviously, we Naturally have a... We, think about we have a... We have a skin in the game we're coming from somewhere on this we know what we do yeah and we, don't we rely think on we think that's it but we absolutely don't rely on it but we also we think it's important and we think journalism is important that's our prerogative i don't think it's 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 embittered or anything like that it comes from knowing what we do other people will listen to this and think that's not important and i don't care and you all twist everything they say anyway and i'd rather hear it from their horse's mouth that's a fine opinion 
but I think ours is an informed opinion based on what we know, mm. be it right or wrong, as opposed to being embittered. There's always that assu assumption that people are <laughs> think, are like have an agenda or something, yeah. you know. I think I'm okay with Enrique doing it because Enrique is going to have to face the media anyways. Yeah, it's a lovely balance. It's, it's an extra bit. Yeah. But if it was to become, say, if Enrique was to say, I'm not going to speak to the media whatsoever at the World Cup, and you can only watch me on my own stream, which I've edited and put together, mm. that's far more dangerous. Yeah, or if like FIFA TV becomes the press conference. Any thoughts on this, Arthur? Final thoughts? No, I think it's it's not for us. I think it's for whatever generation it's for, but it's it's pretty it's pretty disillusioning. You see all the clubs doing it as well. All the Man United, Man City, everything. They're all creating their own stuff with their own mm. in house things, but it's just it's just propaganda really. It's not mm. there's no there's no no one's held accountable, no one'll do anything, it'll just be it's just that's all it is. It's just it's po it's politics. It's the same thing. The exact same way parties will spin things, clubs yeah. will spin things. It's not. It's not. It's worthless. Yeah. It's I wonder worthless, about its honest. overall success though, because like it's like again, and I'm like bringing content. things back to Villa, but like when Gerard was going through the mill, and how are we was, talking about Steve Gerrard? But I was watching these interviews. <laughs> this is a very good example. We're watching these interviews after every game, yeah. where they're like, "Got unlucky today, Stephen." You yeah, know, and that's sure. the, they're the four minutes that pop up in your timeline. By the way, it's not the match of the day interview, the skyline. It's the official club one that pops up. That's what you see after a match, and it's divorced from reality. Yeah. So I'm wondering, no matter what generation you are, and I agree with you, it's for a different generation. Who's it serving? Like yeah. nobody's actually nobody's buying it. Like you know, well, they do. Like it must be doing something. Well, people watch it, but yeah. I don't know if they're anger watching or mm. if they're uh, actually enjoying it. Mm. Clicks a click. Yeah. <laughs> well, indeed. What a grim world. What a grim way to end. <laughs> Please <laughs> click the video. Summed up our lives there. We are done. I know you want to talk about Amazon streaming. We're going to have to do that another week. The November series is still continuing. Watch out, Bezos. Yeah. He's I, I haven't seen it because I can't find the second thing. The RTE corner has been replaced by Amazon corner <laughs> for you. Uh, Will, thank you. Mick, thank you. Arthur, thank you. That was a slight tangent where the OTB PM team sit around and chat about the stories of the week. You can email us at slighttangent at offtheball.com and we will talk to you in the next week or two. <laughs>